Now entering Nerdist.com. Today's podcast was recorded at ATX Television Festival Season 3. Uh, were you there? You should have been. It was a fantastic time, as it always is, uh, although in this third season, it was even bigger and better than it's been before. Uh, it was just unbelievably fun, uh, and I urge all of you to come on out. They already have the 2015 dates booked, June 4th through 7th. Be there. I will be, for sure. They can't keep me away. Uh, there, were all, there was all kinds of amazing programming. We're going to give you a taste of what they had to offer over the next few months. So I hope you guys enjoy all of these panels from ATX Television Festival. Go to atxfestival.com for more information about next year's fest. Today's panel is the pairing off panel from ATX, uh, which features people who created things together, though not necessarily all together on this panel. Anyway, you'll see. Uh, following this is a Q&A that we did with uh, following a screening of Men of a Certain Age, episode 106, Go With the Flow, which is a great episode of television. Uh, the Q&A is with the creators of Men of a Certain Age, Mike Royce and Ray Romano, whom you'll hear on the pairing off panel as well. Uh, and writer Lou Schneider joined them for this conversation, uh, which was really good as usual. The audio is not up to the quality that we would hope it would be, but these festivals are tricky, um, and I'm glad I can share it with you at all, so I hope you enjoy. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel, and it's hosted by Ben Blecker, where he gets a bunch of writers, and he asks them lots of questions, and it's starting now, so this will be the end of the theme. My name is Ben Blacker. I'm the creator of the Nerdist Writers Panel, which is a podcast on the Nerdist Network in which I talk to television writers about writing television. By round of applause, are any of you familiar with this panel? Good. Then you also know that you should follow me at Ben Blacker right now. Take out your phones, do it right now. Um, and that I'm a television writer, and I've written for Supernatural, and uh, currently on DreamWorks Puss in Boots, and I'm also the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour stage show on the Style of Old Time Radio. Um, all right, let's, let's get started. We're here to talk about writing together. Who is on this? Can I just bring them all out at once? Let's do it, you guys. Please give a huge round of applause to Andy Daly, Mike Royce, Ray Romano, Emily Halpern, and Carrie Aaron. Uh, thank you all for being here. Let's talk. Uh, each of you has created a show with someone who is not necessarily your writing partner, but maybe your writing partner, and some of you don't even have writing partners. So this is really a perfect panel. <laughs> as, as Ray pointed out to me last night, it's a bunch of single people forced to talk about partnerships. <laughs> well, we're the only partners here, right? Uh, yeah, and we're not even... I mean, we're not... Yeah. Someone give him We a hate each other. I mean, right. Exactly. No, I mean, yeah, we were certainly partners, but we wrote a lot together, teamed up for Raymond, and then obviously yeah. the... Well, let's, let's start with you guys, um, since, you know, it's fresh in, in our memories. I feel uh, a little in, uh, intimidated that the moderator looks exactly like you. I, <laughs> if I may, I, I could be the child of both of you. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I just want to point out, I think I got insulted by both of you. <laughs> And again, this is why the cards are so I'm important. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Ray and Mike, let's talk about Men of a Certain Age first. And I hope you'll all join us at the Men of a Certain Age screening, which I think follows this. Um, tell us about how this project came together. And, you know, each of you had been working yourselves as writers and as a performer, obviously. Um, how did it become a collaboration? How did that conversation begin? Well, it was it, indeed a conversation. It, we, I was uh, waiting for Lucky Louie to be picked up. What have you heard? <laughs> uh, and, you know, because HBO takes forever to do everything, I had a lot of time. And he... Was going to therapy twice a week. <laughs> after Raymond ended. Raymond ended, and it seemed like it was going to be great. You know, because I've done stand-up for 11 years and then Raymond for nine years. So it was basically 20 years of just working, writing, creating, and all that stuff. And I thought, now I get to have some fun. And then four months later, I was in therapy twice a week. <laughs> so because I... there was just this void of, uh, you know, when I was 40-whatever years old. 
And uh, so Mike and I had lunch. And first, let me just say that Mike and I have written together previously. Uh, we did stand-up together in New York, and our sensibilities were the same. We kind of we, we knew each other, and we knew our comedy. And then uh, I brought you on Raymond in right. year three because I knew, uh, I knew how you wrote, and I knew we needed somebody like you. And then... And then also a hit when show I, needed, you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but I needed somebody like you. And then um, when I I got a book deal, I and you know in the second year if you have a TV show they give you a book deal, and uh, uh, and I That's and, Andy is excited. It's very about relatable. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna get a book deal. Oh, I'm uh, sorry, Emily. So I took that. Write like a magazine. So I gave yeah. Royce a job, help me with the book. Um, so anyway, yeah. So we had collaborated a, a, a lot, and then. Both of us, four months after Raymond, were going through some type of uh, midlife. Uh, I found him in a puddle of tears. Yes, and we of, tried to make. We were we were trying to figure out what do we do in our career, what do we do in our life, and and how do we fake our deaths? <laughs> uh, I don't know what that means. Instead, you made a TV yes. show. Yeah, but we it but we really had like I have thought, yeah. someday. I guess after I pass away, I have I like taped all our, we just had a lot of conversations because we were just trying to figure out what should we do together. Should it be a movie? Should it be, you know, and every time we, we, we just, we start catching up essentially and the catching up became what the show was about. Right. And so I have all these tapes of us talking about his son and, you know, like some stuff that was happening with his family and, you know, uh, and, and our, our trials and tribulations and being like, just feeling like, God, is it all over, man? Are we done? <laughs> What's going on? And then realizing, I mean, that is what happens when you're in your 40s. Everybody has that conversation with themselves about, is, is, has the best already happened or is there more or am I dying right. or what's you know <laughs> right. I don't understand where I am right now then and, and there's not much time left or is there or you know and then so repeat we, until canceled right that's what I was going to say so we wrote a show about it and then <laughs> and it was a great show nobody cared and uh <laughs> he, and we were even worse off enough. than we started. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Now we're in our 50s and we got to... Yeah, nobody wants to see 50-year-olds. Yeah. That's enough. No, but, but uh, we're kidding. We, we, it was a great... It was two years and we loved it and it was very rewarding. Uh, and it sounds like... And, and again, we'll, we'll talk about this more on the actual uh, Men of a Certain Age panel, but it sounds like the story started to come very naturally out of these conversations. The show formed in a very organic way. Yes. Yeah. We knew... You know, we put a lot of ourselves into the characters... You know the fact that there were three guys coming at that age state of life from a different angle. We either are those people or know people very much like those people. Right. We and, also uh, didn't know should we make it a movie or should we should, or a TV show. And you at the time had a deal with Paramount, or, uh, or you were getting one. You were about to, to yeah. get a deal with Paramount, and HBO heard about that uh, we wanted to do. Oh, I wanted to do a show. And said, "We'll sign Mike to a deal." So they snatched you up. So I, and this was scheduled for uh, HBO, actually, originally, uh, with um, what's his name? I'm forgetting his name. Chris Albrook. Chris Albrook, yeah. And then Chris Albrook left, and it kind of got lost in there. And then we found a home on TNT. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it worked. Like you say, you got two it seasons. It worked for a while. Yes. For a while. You, you can't I'm back two to two a week, though, with my therapist. I'll tell you right now. Now I know that two seasons is a gift. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I want to talk to uh, Andy and Ray for a moment. Oh, really? Um, yeah, that's a, you guys are. Microphones. <laughs> you guys are obviously well known to us as performers and as solo performers. Mostly I'm well known. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some folks have heard of Ray, I guess. I think eight, nine years on a sitcom, right? Right. <laughs> um, but co- going into television, I mean, we, we all know television is a very collaborative medium. Uh, it is not going up on a stage and doing stand-up or doing even doing improv with maybe three other people. Can you guys talk to us a little bit uh, about that transition into a more collaborative medium? Me first, please. All right. I'm going to toss it to you. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, for me, uh, just real quick, when I started Raymond, it, you know, it's a good question because when I started Raymond, uh, it was hard for me mm-hmm. to get used to people writing for me. And, and I wasn't really in the writer's room in the very beginning. Uh, and it was a weird feeling of I was getting laughs from the stuff someone else wrote, but... I was 
almost, uh, you know, it, it was bittersweet because I didn't write it. I had, I had to learn to accept that, that this is a joint thing and you can't do, you can't, you know, there's, you can't do it by yourself and I, I don't even have that talent to, to write a TV show. And then also in the acting part, they told me, do you want an acting coach? Uh, and I said, no, well, I don't know. What do you think? And, uh, yeah. no, this, you know, they said, well, you know, people are going to be talking back to you now. You know, it's not, it's not stand-up. Um, it took a while. It took a while. Uh, uh, but, I, but I'll tell you what, the first time I got into that writer's room and the first time I wrote my own script... Mm-hmm. I never appreciated the writers more than seeing how freaking hard it is to yeah. to to write that, you know. So I, I grew up. Yeah, <laughs> take it away. Yeah, I think because I've done a lot more improvising than I than I necessarily have done solo performing on stage. So I, I it was it was not quite as foreign to me, but. I definitely did have the experience of the first time we did a thing where we we asked all the writers to take a segment of the show and and write it and then we nobody was going to have seen it at all except for the writer before we did a table read. I'm not sure why why did we do that. But <laughs> this is we should say we're talking about a review. Oh yeah. Uh, Forrest McNeil, Are you guys familiar with the show? Oh. Great show. <laughs> Statistically there's no way all the people who just applauded watched the show. <laughs> but I appreciate it anyway. Oh, <laughs> but so, what was that experience like to have everyone kind of bring these things in, kind of cold? Yeah, That's it was really great. Neat. It was hilarious. It was it was a risky thing to do, but we just kind of wanted to have like a high energy Friday. Let's just see what everybody wrote, and uh, I was just immediately amazed that that because everybody had a slightly different take on the voice of the character, uh, so it ended up being. Uh, an interesting sort of way to pick and choose tones for for who this guy is, sure. uh, and I was just completely amazed because I because I th- thought I knew I I guess I kind of went in thinking well at some point I'm going to have to uh, go in and rewrite everything, <laughs> but, but no it was uh, yeah it was amazing hearing what everybody brought to it and how was uh, and again we uh, we talked about this on the Nerdist Writers panel in the past so go check out that episode but um, that seems right statistically applause wise yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely accurate. You notice Chris Hardwick's not here. Um, how was that first collaboration on the pilot? Because uh, that you worked with the Blitzes on that, right? Right. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that, if you would, and then we'll move on. Yeah, well, on the pilot, uh, I co-wrote the pilot with our producer, and then we brought, I brought in Jeffrey Blitz to direct it. And Jeffrey Blitz, who... Uh, he was nominated for an Oscar for that Spelling Bee documentary, Spellbound, and won an Emmy for directing The Office, and has a feature called Rocket Science, which is really That's amazingly right. great, that he wrote and directed. Uh, and I... Again. Again. Absolutely. That's right. But, <laughs> sadly. But he... Uh, I just thought he would be a great director. I didn't realize the insights he would have into the script on the, on the pilot. Uh, and it, so... And it was nerve-wracking because we brought a director on, we're ready to go, and he had all these big thoughts about the script, um, which elevated the script and made it so much better. So when we got picked up, I just said, I just need him in the room all the time. Uh, so And he was luckily available to come on board and, and help. Do you think coming from an improv background that you found it easier to kind of do this give and take with a group? I mean, you worked, obviously. I mean, improv is a kind of very fast writing. Right? Yeah. Writing on the spot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you think you were more open to the kind of collaboration that TV demands? Yeah, definitely. I think so, yeah. I mean, you know, there's that, obviously, everybody, if you know one thing about improv, it's yes and. Uh, and so our writing process was absolutely that. You know, it was just, we, we very rarely said no, <laughs> which led us to crazy places. We just always said yes. Uh, yeah. Right. So I think so. Good. Uh, Emily. Uh, Emily is the co-creator of the dearly departed trophy wife. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Trophy Rest in wife. peace. All of the actors were put to pasture. <laughs> Sorry to say. Um, can you tell us a little bit about creating that show? You co-created the show. Yes. Um, and tell us a little bit about that process and working with your partner. Yes, I co-created the show with my writing partner, the very talented Sarah Haskins, uh, who is not here this weekend, and. Coming up with the idea was very easy because it was loosely based on her life. And she uh, had married a man 20-some years her senior and uh, sort of inherited his stepchildren and they had one of their own. And 
And uh, we sort of saw through her, you know, we'd, we'd get together and she would talk about her life. That was inevitably where the conversation went. But just the idea of creating a show from the perspective of the so-called trophy wife, but sympathetic to that character, which is how we saw Sarah, who just wanted to be a part of the family. The title trophy wife was intended to be ironic. I don't know if it was always <laughs> received that way. Um, but that was sort of the idea. And then um, I took it and I made it a TV show. No, I, that's not what happened. <laughs> we did it together. But Sarah, Sarah gave very generously to the the premise of our show. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask about that. I mean, you're using your partner's story, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you find a foothold in that when it's not your story personally? Well, personally, I had no problem at all with it not being my story. I mean, I felt like I was getting the best of both worlds. I didn't have to expose myself and could still be a part of this um, project. Um, I mean, a lot of it, we did actually have a character who was uh, uh, our main character's friend, who I think was a little part, at least the genesis of the idea, was a little part Sarah's sister, a little part me, but she quickly turned into sort of an alcoholic sex maniac. Um, And I haven't had a drink in weeks, so obviously that's not me. Um, But um, outside of sort of being represented on the show, it was just, so much of it was based on real life, that we, we and the writers, we were always just taking stories from real life, and some of them were family stories, and others were were just, you know, stories about relationships. So I feel like everybody on probably any any writing staff, you're contributing a lot based on your real experiences. For sure. And let me ask you just kind of nuts and boltsy, since you do actually work regularly with a writing partner, (laughs) um, how do you guys work? How do you, uh, you know, physically do the work? Do you break stories together? Do you actually script together? How does it break down? For us, it's funny, and I, I think probably all writing partnerships are different, but yes, we do, um, we like to brainstorm together and outline together and do sort of all those early stages mm-hmm. together. And just personally for us, it works. Is we, when it comes to the writing, we split up and we write in different sections and we'll sort of bring it back together and be checking in with each other constantly. And I think the longer we've written together, the smoother that process has become initially we've we've learned each other's voices well enough that now i think it's become a little more seamless and when we get back together we can it, it's less obvious by page who wrote what which i think was not the case in the beginning um uh but yeah i think we do the, the writing at least the first draft separately and then come back and revise and punch up together do you guys fight <laughs> we um we are two women, so I feel like we... Um, Do you get passive-aggressive? We get passive-aggressive <laughs> occasionally. We One of us might pout, and the other will say what's wrong. I mean, we have never <laughs> yelled at each other. Right. Um, but it is, oddly, it's a relationship. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, you, we have... Do you ever kiss? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's horrible. That's just for a joke, just for a stupid laugh. This is a stupid joke. <laughs> Uh, oh, let's let's move on. <laughs> I, I was going to press you for an answer, but let's move on. Uh, hello, Carrie. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, good. this is such a good panel. I forgot I was on it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching it. Tell us about all of the. You've had a number of uh, sort of intense collaborations. Uh, with different people. I mean, from being on staff and working closely with other writers, yeah. did, you worked with a partner as well, right? Am when I, I started. That yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Mm-hmm. For a couple um, of years. I have a question for you. This is not a personal question, but it's going to sound you, like it. I, I like personal questions. For, They're actually easier. Well, <laughs> perso- personal to me. Um, hot... <laughs> that was awesome. How do you, how do you break up with a writing partner? I'm yeah, not, I think I'm not that going. I think that depends entirely on the writing partner. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, you do it the same way you break up with a boyfriend. Totally, <laughs> you like try to pretend like um, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's it's th- that they would be happier without you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, tell us about uh, Bates Motel, if you would. Um, that's a broad question. Uh, well, specifically within the context of this panel, um, uh, you know, you, you're collaborating. Yeah, you're collaborating on the show with Carlton. Although you wrote the pilot, right? Yeah, it's credited. Well, we, we broke the story together. Oh, you did. Yeah. Okay. Well, can you tell us about how that happened? I don't think we've gotten to talk since. Yeah, Bates I mean, um, Carlton. It, it was just, we have just weirdly great chemistry. Like, I met him for lunch to just kind of talk about whether or not 
you know, I, I, I was going to do it. And, mm-hmm. um, and I also thought he was going to, like, pick someone else anyway. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like WME. I'm like, he's going to pick someone from WME. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so I went to the lunch, and I, and, I, like, and I, like, showed up, and I, like, vomited up all my emotional ideas. And um, it, we just started working on it, like, at lunch. Like, the first time we met, and it was just, it was, we, we kind of had two parts of it that just went together so well. Um, I was pretty obsessed with the... Um, this this weird intense mother son relationship, and um, doing a story about dysfunction that was that dis- that that could talk about dysfunction in its beautiful aspects, um, which I know sounds weird, <laughs> but when you're when you are actually in a dysfunctional situation, it's it's sort of like there's every, there's high stakes every day. It's like, is dad going to be passed out on the front porch? <laughs> you know I mean? So it's like you, it's kind of like you're in a foxhole with your family. Um, and I, and I really, and it bonds you to people in such a really kind of deep, raw way. And I was fascinated by telling a story about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Carlton, is, you know, is just so great with, with, um, he's so great with story and with like moving stuff along. And, you know, I mean, I think if I had written the show by myself, it would be, um, my so-called life with Norman. Norman Bates. <laughs> um, but he's, he's just lovely. I mean, we've had, we've had a great time. How do things work in the room when you're both there? It's fun. I mean, it's really fun. It's, um, uh, we, you got, you also had a killer staff. Uh, we did have a killer. I'm going to tell you that room last year was some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. What makes that for was a, fun a room? raucous fun room? What makes for a fun room? Um, freedom. No, just just total trust. You know, not um, feeling like anything's going to sink you. You know, just everybody's kind of. It's all good. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think trust is a huge part of it. Sure. And I I would assume you know that's part of what makes the collaboration work. It is, and I mean, I think we're both. I think we have strengths that are very complementary to each other. Um, and I, and I would go so far, Carlton would probably kill me for this, but to say we have psychological strengths that are very complementary. I tend to be. Um, I tend to live in kind of that anxiety, emotional, mucky place, which is like great for writing, not always good for show running. <laughs> and and um, you know, Carlton's like this like amazing, polished, six foot tall man with a deep voice. And I mean, you know, not to be like Pavlovian, but it's like sometimes when I'm like, I don't know if this is a good idea, and he goes, "That's a great idea," <laughs> and I'm like, "That is a great idea." <laughs> So he, you know, he's just wonderful. I just want to say that I, that I completely relate to that. <laughs> um, we, we have a different relationship than I have with, uh, you know, I wrote with Kevin Beagle this year, yeah. uh, and we were, I guess you could say, partners and and Ke- for enlisted, right? Yeah. Yes. Any enlisted? Um, thank you. Um, How does that check out? Yeah. Seems about right. All right. That's, that's, <laughs> this is about yeah, that's the demo. Um, but Kevin does the same. Kevin is a... I'm a mass of insecurities, and Kevin is the guy who's like, that's fucking awesome! And I'm like, you, you're right! We're both awesome! You know? And, it, and then I think with us two, the dynamic is more... It's Right, you, it goes the opposite way, where you're the mass of insecurities, and because you're that guy, I turn into, all right, fuck it, we're doing it. You know? This is... That's true, because you'll be... I have the same relationship with my brother, my brother Rich, who, uh, he's older than me, but I become the voice of reason when he comes to me, Raymond, what about this? And all of a sudden, I'm the sane one. So so it's it's as long as you have someone who's saner than you. Every (laughs) Frasier needs a Niles. That's the way it works. Absolutely. Uh, Was this your experience as well, Emily? I don't know that... I'm I'm like, well, I wouldn't be the insane one. Maybe I would be. She's not Um, here. You can call her the insane one. Sarah's nuts. Um, No, uh, I do think that... I don't know if one of us is deeply insecure or what the issues are, but I do think it's it's exactly what Carrie said. You have strengths that complement each other, and and that's so important. But I absolutely think it can be so um, sort of isolating, writing and particularly show running, and and, um, I think just having that other person to either tell you you're crazy, tell you you're not crazy, whatever it is, just so you you feel like, okay, I'm not doing this all in my own head. That's Mm -hmm. It's hugely helpful. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to make sure we get questions from you guys. Uh, could you 
could you guys talk about um, maybe a moment where in your collaboration uh, you had like an aha moment where it was you guys coming up with something together with your partner? This, when Sarah and I, aha, I, feel, I felt like we were watching Oprah. It wasn't that kind of aha. <laughs> but when, um, actually, our, when we ver- the very first time we, when we started collaborating, we went out to dinner. Sarah had just moved out to L.A. I was writing for hour-long dramas at the time. And each of us wanted to write a screenplay. And we were in the early stages, but separately. But about females in high school, uh, we had sort of similar ideas and sort of this aha moment. We both had full-time jobs at the time, and the aha moment was like, oh my God, if we do this together, we can, we'll actually get it done. You'll have somebody <laughs> you're responsible to, because I think we both knew, you, you, you're done with work, you just want to go to sleep, and, and it really worked. It was an exhausting year, but I think having that person that you were accountable towards, it helped us finish the script, and that sort of started our career as writing partners. For sure. Oh, that's cool. I have, this may be a sort of a weird aha moment, but in, in addition to uh, uh, working with Jeffrey Blitz, all, we're also working with Jeffrey Blitz's brother, Andy, who I went to high school with and have done, we were doing comedy together in high school, and he was on, uh, on our writing staff, and there was one day, in the first, maybe the first day, uh, he said, let's make a show that wins awards. Now, I don't know, <laughs> I don't think we're going to, I don't know that we're going to win awards, or that any of us were on totally the same page about what that meant, but I think what it meant to us was like, let's not just make a show that, that uh, accomplishes sort of the basics of, of what it needs to comedically. Let's try our best. <laughs> <laughs> And that was, I think, an important thing to put out there and for everybody to sort of nod to and, and, and uh, agree to. Yeah. I mean, there is something to be said. All of you guys have worked on ambitious shows, and it's very easy when you are in the TV system to not make an ambitious show. I, I would assume your collaborators help you to become more ambitious. Yeah. We didn't have many aha moments. We had a, a lot of uh-oh moments. <laughs> We had, uh, up the season. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh-oh, Andre Brower's losing weight. Remember? Yeah, yeah. We had, because we wrote Andre as this uh, a bit overweight and diabetic. And then in year two, he said, I'm, I'm <laughs> in the off season, he goes, I'm riding my bike across country, Andre Brower. <laughs> And he did. He rode a bike from where did he go? From, uh, yeah, like I, I, I don't know if he made it. You know, I think it's a yeah. To, I, I forgot how he said across the country. He got to like Kentucky or somewhere, <laughs> and he got chafed or something. And he yeah, that's right. Seriously, he had a, he had that's a, right. Yeah, yeah. But, but he, he but he dropped some weight. And became then, a vegan and, <laughs> yeah. and like just I don't. Know, he went to the doctor and his cholesterol was crazy over the top. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so yeah, we're like that. Girl, so you're not supposed to be. You're the guy who's supposed to be. You know overweight and the guys make fun of you for that and then it's something you're battling and he's like fuck you I would like to be healthy if that's all right. <laughs> so right around it yeah. so what so what did you guys do how do you write around it? I mean well, we got collaboration is a so whole they didn't uh... <laughs> yeah I was in that um, no, we uh, we did write to it a little bit. I mean, he, we his health wasn't so much an issue in the second season anyway. Right, right, right. We had but, other stories to go to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, funny when he came in. When it, originally we wrote that scene, the, the character for Wendell Pierce. So, I mean, I know, you know Wendell Pierce, great. yeah. And we met with him, and he wanted to do it, but then uh, the show Treme came up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So somebody pitched Andre Brower, and we just remember Andre Brower bringing from Homicide and this guy who's in command and, and all that. And his agent, what did his agent say? Well, you know, agents are always trying to get you the job, and so his agent was like... Oh, we, we told him, we, we told him this, this character, is, he's let himself go a little bit. <laughs> yeah, this is like, you know, said, it's written into the script. He's very overweight, he's battling, you know, diabetes. And this, well, he's let himself go a little bit. That's some good agenting. <laughs> yeah. By the uh, way, have you seen him now? He's lost. A, he looks amazing. Right. He's back to homicide. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a cop again. Uh, other questions? Yes, right here. Stand up, please. How do you handle a uni- giving your show a unified voice? Uh, and also, how does the hierarchy of the room work? Anyone who wants to answer. Uh, well, I had the most money in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you have a showrunner. You have a showrunner. You you know the, the who makes the final decision, but you try to make it as collaborative as possible. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for us, it was we. He would sit at one end, and I would sit at the other, and 
I think I, I would take the, you know, I think the dynamic was a lot of discussion, discussion, discussion. Okay, are we agreed? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Let's, and then, wait a minute. <laughs> and then three hours. Wait of, a minute. Uh, I'm not he, taking he, my shirt off in that scene. You got to give me six months everything. notice. <laughs> I got to take my shirt off. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we I, you know, I can't speak for everybody here, but I think it's probably a general principle that, you know, you don't go forward unless, um, you're in yeah, agreement. I, so I, look, I can, look, there's someone running the show, but if if everybody on board is saying this is not the way to go, uh, in yeah. our room at least, right, uh, we would figure it out. In, on, I, I think from Raymond, we took you know Phil wrote, ran in a very like best idea wins kind of a thing, and so if someone's really making a giant like pitch for something that everyone has agreed on that is like maybe slowing everybody down because one person's not on board you got to take the time to hear that person if you have the time Phil Rosenthal <laughs> who ran uh, Everybody Loves Raymond he had a way of dealing with me when, whenever something came up that I didn't agree with you know because I was in the writer's room and I would say uh, wait Phil Phil my character he would never do that and Phil would say that's why you do it because he would never do it. It becomes good. So I, I could never That's argue. That's funny. I could never yeah. argue. Yeah. Anything he said, I could do. How to do? Because if if he would do it, then let's do it. If he wouldn't do it, then that's why you do it. And then, <laughs> and then when then you would say, well, what if I did this? Oh, your character would never do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Carrie, tell us about having the authorial voice uh, on. Bates, for example. Uh, well, I I tried. I'm not. I'm not. You may. This may surprise you. I'm not naturally authoritative. Um, so I I I kind of just like to start the room with listening to everybody and kind of like hearing everything, making supporting. I guess mm-hmm. is the word. And then and then it comes to that sort of awkward time where I have. To- you have to start distilling a little bit and go, okay, well, I think maybe we should push it this way. Yeah. And, and generally people are so um, uh, sensitive to that that they, they just get on the train right, you know, right away. It's not like they go, well, no, fuck you. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, so it's, it works pretty well. But I, I just try to be really supportive and um, respectful. Do I you, think respect is hugely important in a room. Absolutely. Do you do a lot of rewriting? I do. Mm-hmm. And is that, you think, where... You By know, trade. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the, the final voice of the show has to come through and the consistent voice of the show, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, I mean, Carlton and I go through all the scripts um, together. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I, do, I do do a lot of rewriting. I mean, I think that the, the, the show, because it's so... It's so intimate and strange. It's sort of... It's something that it kind of needs, like, a single... Mm. A single emotional voice to push it through. So yeah. How many on the staff? How many writers? Uh, last year we had um, three people. Oh, that's it was a, lot. a very small staff. Oh. Yeah. Three plus you and Carlton. Plus me and Carlton. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's very yeah. small. Yeah. Uh, and how many episodes? Ten. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Emily, I'm it's sort of the same question, although because you work consistently with a partner, do you think you can define that voice that the two of you create? I mean, you say you can't tell really page for page anymore what each of you has written. What is the voice that is the combination of you two sound like? Well, I do think we bring different things to the table. You know, Sarah's a performer, and I think always sort of approaches, or at least in the beginning, approached our scripts from that perspective, and I started always, you know, as a writer. And so it would just, we would just sort of be thinking about things a little bit differently. Um, I do think now, just having written together, it, it's... Um, one thing we've just gotten into through like Trophy Wife, but also our script Booksmart, which is in development right now. But we've we've found ourselves just naturally we write women characters well, and I think naturally, and I think that we've um, started not uh, consciously, but writing sort of uh, smart, strong female characters, and and maybe flipping certain stereotypes on their head, and that's sort of something that we've gravitated towards. But if we had a voice, I think I think it's in that in that vein of. Of strong female characters, uh, Andy. The same question: What is what is the Andy Daly voice that we can see in review, and you know, how is it balanced by the collaboration? Uh, yeah. Well, again, I think uh, because we did sort of settle on the voice of this character together as a room, um, 
I don't know. It's 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 largely me. Whoa, wait, what happened? It's uh, <laughs> it's um, I, I mean, it's very much sort of a, a voice, a character voice that I've done before, like a, a smart, sort of repressed, uh, passive aggressive weirdo. Oh. Put my name on it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he actually likes me. Do you want to change anything you said about him? <laughs> no. All right. Where's he? He's got something to do. Where's he going? Where's... <laughs> He has four shows on the air. Oh, he has okay. something to do. All right. Take it uh, easy. Anyway. <laughs> you're, you're stuck with me all day. <laughs> oh, I got him for two more. Yeah. <laughs> this is, by the way, this is, this is our dynamic, so I see the, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm moving in. <laughs> it feels good. Andrew, I apologize. I was thankful for that intrusion because I, I kind of didn't have an answer to your question at all. I was, I was just floundering. I was just uh, <laughs> spinning my wheels until somebody came in with a joke <laughs> from another room, if necessary. More, more importantly, what's that? Are you watching uh, Gang of Thrones right now? Uh, Game of Thorns? Yes. That's one. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it called Game of Thrones? I thought it was Gang of Thrones. Oh. <laughs> Maybe right. I am watching. All right, we have time for one more question, then I'll get to that. No, you're in the front. Who's in the back? <laughs> yeah, right here. Oh. I'm sorry, start again. Oh, I don't... Um, all right. How do you deal with writer's How do we do? Writer's <laughs> I know I should have earlier. <laughs> no, um, personally, I try to be as kind to myself as I can. In other words, I hate myself. <laughs> That's where you get writer's block a lot, is like everything I'm doing is shit. So then I, try, I literally, I'll, I'll like be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, look at these three words here. Pretty fucking good. <laughs> I'd say it's time to watch eight episodes of The Sopranos. And then I, you know, give myself a break and move on. Try to get out, try to get out on a good note. Yeah, I play Candy Crush. That's what I do. Yeah. Well, that's why I collaborate. I like to collaborate because uh, me, me by myself, I'm trying to write a screenplay now and it's, it's crazy torture. Yeah. I just sit in the room all day and go home. You know, my wife says, when are you coming home? I'm writing. And I'm not writing. You know, yeah. yeah. I heard somebody say that if you're, like, writing a screenplay and you take four months off from it, that's, that was all part of the process of writing the screenplay. And you should think that to yourself, that whole four months. Sure. This is part of it. Yeah. Which is really, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, but if it helps get you back to it, why not? Going to Vegas is part of it. It's all part yeah, of it. Yeah. It could not have been done without that trip to Vegas. Yeah. Uh, do you, when a TV show is rolling, I mean, that's, that's a moving train. Do you, you guys don't have time for writer's block. Yeah. No, that's really, yeah, I think have a deadline is a good way to avoid writer's block. Yeah, um, yeah I think that's right. And, and you know, we had a, a big writer's room. You've got enough smart people. Somebody's going to come up with an idea. How prepared, like how ahead of the game are you in shows? We started out for us pretty ahead of the game because you have pre-production, you get sort right. of ahead. If you so you have a couple of scripts already. Yeah, yeah, we had a few, but it, you know, the longer it goes on, the more behind you get. I right. think we, by the end, you feel like you're limping to the finish. But and on a new show, there's the process of figuring out the show. Right, too, exactly. Can take time. But yeah. that's one thing we learned from Phil Rosenthal was we had about ten scripts ready to go wow. when not ready to go, but, but yeah. rough first drafts when Raymond's would start. So we'd never really got to that. It's the, you know, it's midnight the night before and we got to come up with it, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's, uh, let's wrap up by asking, what are you guys watching on television? What are you enjoying? What are you talking with your rooms about, with your spouses about, with your friends about? Uh, Carrie, starting with you. No, don't start with me. Starting with me. <laughs> I'm the worst. Do you not have time to watch television? I, I, I have three kids, and, and I run a show. <laughs> you know, it's, I don't. I mean... Uh, Are your, is your room talking about other shows? Yeah, I just pretend like I know what they're talking about. Fair. <laughs> totally fair. Do your kids watch television? Um, not so much, no. <laughs> We're a little weird. You just, you just don't want to give an answer. No. You just don't want to... This is not like a gotcha. Well, that's my, by the way, my wife's favorite show is your show. So, oh, thank yeah. You. Yeah, thanks for that. It's a lot of people. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
Emily, what are you watching on television? I also, it was a busy year. I was not watching a lot for a long time. Um, I am watching Game of Thrones. Uh, I just started watching Silicon Valley. Obviously, my HBO Go is open. Um, but no, I've been, I think that show's hilarious. I'm really enjoying it. I'm look for, looking forward to watching Enlisted because it was so well received. <laughs> And I think Mike will say Trophy Wife. I'm just guessing. <laughs> I can imagine. Andy. Well, I, uh, just a couple notes about that show. Um, <laughs> no, uh, yes, Trophy Wife, absolutely. And, and review, for that matter. And um, I was, uh, you know, proprietor of a mid-season show that got canceled. I had some time uh, to... So, no, The Americans I was watching. And, um, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I think, is fantastic. And Parks and Rec, always, yeah. you know... That's, um, a lot of comedy writers don't tend to watch comedies, but it sounds like you watch a lot of them. I, I, I do love to watch comedies, and I think I watch more because I'm a comedy writer. Like, I think sometimes I'm like, well, I have to check this out and see what's happening. But I, you know, I think the thing that I'm surprised the most is I used to love my multicams. I still have not gotten back into the multicam thing, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I can't figure out why that is. Yeah. Because they're funny. There's, there's very good ones, but I still like the single cams better, personally. But... America doesn't. <laughs> uh, Ray, then Andy. Uh, I'm watching Fargo. I'm actually into Fargo, yeah. I got into that. Um, Louie, I watch Louie. FX is a sponsor here. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a cool little show called Parenthood. <laughs> Come on, you couldn't mention Parenthood. One of those... <laughs> No, but everybody's mentioning everybody's show here. I, I actually do watch Parenthood. Yeah. You were a, you were I have a, a bad memory. Yeah. Why were you? Was no, I just it? forgot I watched it. I oh, watch okay. it. Did, oh. I you, were, you meant you had a bad memory of Parenthood because you were you. Yeah, you remember you were, you were on it. Parenthood. Right? You yeah, were, no. But you were a writer on Parenthood. I was a writer on yes, Parenthood. Yes. yes. But yeah, and then I watch reality. With my I, my kids, we share time watching reality. Uh, the American Idol. I'm a big nerd when it comes to that. I not only watch American Idol, I'm not kidding. When it was on, I used to get the DVDs shipped to me of Canadian Idol. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I, I, did, I, was, I was in Toronto for a couple of weeks. I got hooked on Canadian Idol. I was doing a couple of weeks. I, I was there for... hooked on Canadian Idol. <laughs> yeah. Well, that should be a reality. Wait I got hooked on Canadian Idol. Let me explain something. I was doing Welcome to Mooseport, so I had to, I had to have another outlet. You know, I had to say, well, at least I'm not on this. This, no. But uh, they started. They would DVD me. Oh they would ship me the shows, and then uh, I don't think they do them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Take it away, Andy. What are you watching? I'm watching Game of Thrones and, uh, and Game, of Fong, Game of Thrones. Game would of Thrones would be a good show. Yeah. <laughs> That I would watch. <laughs> yeah, that's a challenging game. Uh, and Louie, and we just, my wife and I just started binging on Orphan Black. We're watching that. Uh, that's great. That's a good show, right? And that's it, it except for uh, the shows of everybody on this panel. Yeah. Sure, of course. Naturally. Please give a big round of applause to all of our panelists. Mike Roy, Stray Romano, Andy Daly, Emily Halpern, Carrie Aaron. Thank you all for coming out. An enormous welcome, as big as you can, to writer Lou Schneider and the creators of Men of a Certain Age, Ray Romano and Mike Roy.
That was, I will say, I meant to say this before you guys got on stage, uh, that was a sort of a perfect piece of television. I am so impressed with this room. So you want to show up this person in the audience, my wife. What did you think of that episode? <laughs> she, she went to watch it. It really wasn't. Not since the finale of F Troop. <laughs> but the, I, I mean, specifically, obviously, there's, the emotions were true. This is a very honest show. It was from the beginning. Uh, but this is a particularly well-constructed episode as well. I mean, it in many ways has the structure and rhythms of a sitcom, but right. there's room to breathe. A little well. bit of a departure from from what men of a certain age was. Well, structurally, we didn't do the story storytelling yeah. that way. Yeah. And uh, also, the show. If those of you have never seen the show and might want to see it, but don't like that it's too Raymond centric. That this is a this was a departure. All three guys are the stars of the show, you know. But this one kind of featured me and my shortcomings. <laughs> well, this, this is kind of the first thing I wanted to talk about with you guys. Uh, and I just have a couple of questions, and then we want to open it to the audience. Um, that vulnerability that we see, see, that honesty that we see in the show, uh, for you guys as writers, and Ray, for you as an actor, tell me about getting to that in the writer's room and then on the set. Well, the, the vulnerability in this particular episode very organic. <laughs> yes, I'm, a, I'm a married man, I'm married 26 years, so that's what dating would look like to me, except she'd be much uglier than that. <laughs> uh, so that was easy to get to. But, uh, but the yeah. show never shied from you know being very true and very real yeah. and kind of you know that's putting putting the characters through some stuff. Yeah, it was an interesting this both seasons, he a lot of the stories were driven, he would come in with a, with a, like a, a, I don't want to even say a big idea, but a specific idea, you know, and one of them was, for the first season was, you know, my first date, how's that going to go? And, and just total dis disclosure, yes, the story of the leg cramp and the running oh. is a true story a friend of mine told me, yeah. <laughs> I will never mention his name, yes. but he knows who he is. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> and not only that was a true story, but the, uh, uh, I just Scott, want to look at you. Scott saying, I just want to look at you, was your trainer. Not, yeah. you know, by, yes, well now, so we know who that is. <laughs> no, it doesn't, yeah. He, he uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, something that was imparted to me by somebody, by an attorney. How does it even come up? I guess this, I guess Like, I work out with somebody that's never come up, but you know... I, 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 I try, that's, why I, that's why I'm kind of conniptious because I'm trying to remember the context because yes, yeah. he's working me out how do we get to that point. But Mike, you seem sure weak and unmasculine. This seems like happened to you. I was going to say the most <laughs> peculiar thing is that Mike has a trainer. Yeah. <laughs> that's the brain mystery. This doesn't just happen. Very soon going to get to you. Yeah, I was going to say, man, whatever we say to Mike pertains to you. I, is anyone else noticing I, this? I, ben, I am your father. <laughs> Well, I can do, I can do worse. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that was very, a lot of that kind of fell into place. It was, uh, I, it was written by Jack Mormon, who did, you know, who, who was the showrunner and uh, a writer for ER for a long time. And he was like the drama guy. We had a mix of people in the first season, especially, of drama and comedy. He was the one pure, never worked on comedy before, drama guy. And we always, we always, we always said it's like he's going to comedy writer fantasy camp. You know, because he would not, he wasn't used to the way a comedy room worked. Do where, you ever tell folks the difference between the comedy room and the Well, the truth is, generally, I mean, <laughs> in a comedy room, we'd always do the joke, uh, in, in a comedy room, you know, to get out of scenes at the end of it, at the end of a scene, you always have to have a blow or some kind of joke at the end, so we're always going, and, and there's always that dilemma, is it funny enough at the end of the scene, you're like, it's harder to get out of yeah, it's really hard to get out of a comedy scene. You're like, is that funny? Is it funny enough? Is it funny? Is it really laughing together? And we always think that in in a right in a drama room, what they're not worried about funny. So all it has to be is like, is everybody tense at the end of page six? <laughs> is anyone uneasy? And also on, on on procedurals, especially, they can just find a hair and they're out. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> and then like in, in uh, uh, homicide or what's the show? Yeah, 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 anything. Dick Wolf. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, bum, bum, bum. I guess it's usually bum, bum, bum. 
Uh, Jack Warman, the writers of those shows would argue with that, but you know. Yeah. But, but Jack Warman really loved, he really embraced the comic book. You I think, I mean, uh, yeah, he, he would, um, I think that particular episode, also directed by Nelson Shelton, who did an amazing, amazing job with everything. Um, it, it was a good synthesis of those skills, because Jack is a structural genius. Structural, I mean, he beat out that story, and we came in with these right. ideas. He surprised us with this. Yeah, flashbacky kind of it's thing. The only one yeah. we did like. It's the only one we did like. Yeah, yeah. Where and, and see something and then back it. Synthesizing like this idea. Oh, my friend had this experience, and you know, my trainer said this thing, <laughs> and these all fit into some date, but we don't know where the date's going. And then this thread through of you know, um, uh, we, you know, we wanted to keep some stuff alive with this, with the sun, and, and um, it was a very like let's. You kind of went against what you normally are thinking about when you write. In other words, don't try to just write to an idea. Try to you know have it. Advance organically. This is like here's a bunch of stuff. We think they all work together. Let's try to beat out the story. We beat out the story in the room. And then Jack really did a great job, you know, putting it in beat by beat in the script. And then Nelson. You know. But once Jack found comedy shops, like once he, I, a, I remember like one, once story. once he got it was like riding a bike for the first time for him. Like once he got pedaling, he was like found jokes to work. You couldn't say like Jack, this is very jokey. Like he just <laughs> he wouldn't he just kept more jokes. This is a blast. He like, <laughs> Can I tell a little funny nugget story about this episode? Um, so that scene, you know, I guess I've done bedroom scenes and everybody loves Raymond, but they're all silly and you hear a slide whistle and nothing. You know, this was kind of, this was a little bit intense for me as an actor. <laughs> and, uh, so I remember, so when we did that scene, the first time we did that scene, do it, happen. I run into the bathroom with my pants on my ankles, right? I close the door and I and I, I don't care, we got through that. And I look down on my pants, this is a true story. And there's there's goo on my pants. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And then I notice it's my Perel bottle that opened up in my pants. So I had to go show every crew member. that every that Ray is one of the few actors who must have a Purell bottle on him at all times. Like, I want to touch those filthy actors. Um, he couldn't have been more... People in general. Couldn't have been more, you know, nervous about that scene and then to have that happen was just yeah, spectacular. It was art entertaining. For how unusual structurally this episode was, it also really gets to the heart of very much what the show was about. Themes, a lot of the character stuff that you guys visited. Uh, Lou, I'm curious to hear from you. Uh, you're a Why? <laughs> Don't worry, I'll throw it to that one. <laughs> you're a comedy guy. You have a comedy background. Right, right? I'm working on a comedy guy. Yeah. Uh, so this. He's on the Mill the Millers, right? No. 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 Another one. Goldbergs. I'm on the Goldbergs. You seem all wrong for that. The other, by the way, but our other writers on the building, Mark Stegman, who also was on Memphis. Oh, yeah, that's right. But I'm, I'm curious to hear, you know, coming off of the hard comedies, what this show did for you uh, as a writer. What, it almost killed my career. Um, because once you get out of the comedies, work on a drama for a couple years, it's kind of hard to go back. Um, but I loved working on the show. And mostly, I mean, in no small measure to work with these guys because and we'd all worked together for nine years on Raymond, and it was really fun. And st- all three of us were stand-ups in New York City. Yeah. We, were, we were pretty close, yeah. I think, yeah. As close as you are. So, second most intimate relationship in your life, I'd say. So, um, so anyway, uh, but one of the great things was, we were I all... I wish I could fire you. I still fire you. I'm allowed. Okay. So, we had a great time together, and, and, it, and just like Raymond uh, spoke to us about, you know, in terms of what part of, what stage of life we were in, this this show resonated so much for me, and so I, I was anxious to work on it right away, and the fact that it was exactly what I was going through in the way that Raymond was, also what I was going through at the time that we made that show. So this was easy, and also we wrote this show, like we got out of scenes, I did, as much as I joke around about how it was a drama, we got out of scenes on this show the same way, we were always like, is it funny? And it was like, joke. Yeah, a little joke, it was also like the kind of thing, it was like, does this make us uncomfortable, which we always thought was fun. Right? So, that's, so that's what we made for. So that's why the transition is not so hard. 
I'm curious to hear from uh, Mike uh, and from Ray, uh, how, you know, you guys worked with Phil Rosenthal, I can say, for many years, who notoriously runs a great room. Um, what did you guys take from that room that you brought to Men of Circling? Well, he, you know, the, certainly, hopefully, it was a very good vibe in the room. We all, you know, got along very well because, you know, it all stems from the head. He was a, a extremely good, you know, both administratively and kept things moving along, but also a lot, a lot of time. Take it from us too soon. But you know the story, the the, stru the structure of the story was extremely, I mean, important. And I think what I came on, everybody was Raymond in the fourth year, so I can at least he was there all nine years, and he was there few, but most of the time. I came on the third year. Yeah. Scott Bale did the first two. But I was I was a fan of Brad. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to do a remake with Dimitri Mark. Is that right? <laughs> um, I was a fan of the show. I watched. I just was a straight up fan before. And what was always impressive to me, and what I learned in there, and what we tried to bring over to this show was, you know, story. As long as there's turns, the turns can be. It, it's it's defined by. Um, Defined by how important it is to the character, not by big events, you know. And so Raymond told small, small, small stories, sometimes incredibly small when you, like, jump, you know, on a piece of paper what actually happened in the episode. But it delved into everybody's psyche and, and everybody had a stake in it and the family working their shit out, basically. Um, that was at least something we aspired to do the same thing with these characters. Yeah, there was, you know, without sounding corny and creepy, there was some thing we were saying in each episode, no matter how so silly it theme, was. I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. No, but it was, it was it, if it matters a lot to the characters, the audience will go along with And also with Bill, we learned to be prepared, to be over-prepared. Yes. To, to have, you know, Bill would, when you guys would go on hiatus, he would give every writer, every, we would break stories before the end of the season. So much. We would come in with scripts ready. So when the season started, there were about ten or nine rough drafts already written. So we would never fight against the clock or anything like that. And on this show, we got to do it. How did you guys do that? Because it was you. Because he, yeah, so that because on single camera, the TNT gave us a lot of writing time because obviously once, on single camera, once he starts shooting, he's gone. It's, it's, as opposed to moment. Yeah, it's really true. I thought, I thought that I was there, uh, I mean, you guys, the three leads on the show, you guys had great chemistry. Was there much improvisation on the set? Uh, we would, we thought, you know, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to dime on somebody, but there's someone in, there's someone in the room here who we wanted to emulate the way his show was run, Mr. Jason Cato. Jason? Jason, yeah, Jason. Yeah. So parents and parents, but but Friday Night Lights, you know, what I've heard was notorious for loose on the blocking, loose on the rehearsal, even loose uh, on letting the actors open it up. And we thought that's a, this is what we want to try to do. We actually came out here, Mike and I both flew out here and watched a day on, uh, on the set. Yeah, um, oh, Friday Night Lights. Right, right, Friday Night Lights. And. That was the, the thought and the concept, and we did a little, we did a bunch, a bunch of improv, but not, it was mainly uh, structured, and also Andre Brower was scared to death of improv. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He really, he really was. I've heard this from procedural guys, yeah. Yeah, that they, it, he has they're so used to doing this thing for so long. Well, he's also a true act, you know, he studied in Juilliard or whatever, and, and, and what would he say about that? Yeah, the about greatest him? way of, re not refusing, but just, you go, I respect the author. Yes, I yes no, I'm telling you, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I respect you the author. Being a writer on set, uh, Andre was, he would say, no, this is holy <laughs> And then you'd be on the set, screwing around, making a coffee or something, and they'd say, Andre wants to see you. And you're like, uh-oh, this dude really knows the script. I'm in big trouble. <laughs> Why would I put my wallet here when my pants are on the bed? 
I would say the, the way that it worked for us was really a lot of the diner scenes, mostly, yeah. but, but other scenes too, just to just to make sure everybody knew it's okay to make a conversation. You know, it wasn't a the uh, blood has to be in every. Um, uh, most of the time, sometimes there's jokes you want to land, so yes, those have to be worded perfectly. But but especially the diner scenes, it was like, yeah, just you know, yeah. just needs to feel like you're talking, even though yes, get these get these words. And also, and also, when you were shooting Ray's side, he was gonna. He was going to improvise. Oh, yeah. I wasn't, so was, was going to do the shit you guys were all right. <laughs> So once you turned around and you were shooting him, he could do it. And, and Scott was cool with it. And Andre even sometimes would sort of get yeah. that bike, that riding a bike. Like, yeah. By the way, having said that, Andre came. Just, you know, he would write something. And we weren't, you know, we weren't sticking to formula, but we knew the, the, the delivery that this yeah, way it sounded. Yeah. Yes. And he would do it totally different. And this is a, a, something that we thought was a funny line. And he would put a different spin on it and still get the laugh. Yeah, but the yeah. non-comedy spin on it, and it would be better. And we'd start to jump out of our chairs and go, no, let's tell him that. No, don't sit down. Who wants to face that? <laughs> All right, we have time for a couple of quick questions from you guys. I'm sure you have them. Uh, if you do, please raise your hand. I can't say yes. Right here in the middle. Stand up and yell your question, and then I have to repeat it for the recording. Yeah, I, I still miss the show every single Wednesday, and I'm so glad you're here. I wanted to, if you, to know if you could elaborate a little bit on the process of bringing the three leads together and developing that dynamic. Could you talk about bringing the three leads together and developing the dynamic? You know, they, they uh, everybody was nice enough to read, and I uh, and so they these are big stars who don't need to do this, and so they all came in for chemistry purposes to read with Ray, and so we were able to see, and there were from some really, really good actors well, we, who, we, who did, you know, just didn't, didn't think, oh, they don't feel like friends, you know? And we originally guys wrote uh, Andre's role for Wendell Pierce. We actually had Wendell Pierce in, in mind for that from, uh, um, from The Wire. From The Wire, yes. And he came in. He, he read the script. He loved the script. He came in. He met with us. And he, he actually didn't read, but he, we didn't want him to read. We just said, this is the guy. That was a yes, very yeah. initial process. And then he, he got uh, Treme and, and from his hometown. You know, was so you get to work with the back guy again? Right, right, right. So then I, we wrote the role for someone, uh, a diabetic, and you know, struggling with weight and issue. And somebody pitched Andre Brown. I know he told the story, but I don't know. No, if please don't. I was going to bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> us. Someone pitched us Andre, oh, the, Andre Brower's agent, they pitched Andre Brower to us. And, you know, we think of Andre as this, uh, from homicide, he, he's in charge of uh, his whole life. Commanding. Yes. Fit trim. And these are how great agents are. What did his agent say to you? His agent's like, yeah, he's let himself go a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Should we meet with him? <laughs> That's a good agent. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Scott came in and Scott didn't have to read. He came into my office with you and me. And, and oh, he didn't have to. Oh, no, right. He doesn't. It was one he does of those not. meetings that's not yes. a reading meeting. Yeah. But he always, you know, he was funny. It was all just about yeah. finding the chemistry. And to me, to, I mean, to, to our, our main goal was like, especially if we're talking about these famous guys, if, if it's just three famous guys on screen, it doesn't work. But they, the minute they hit the screen, you believe, though, they've been friends for 25 years. I think they, that's what all to credit to them. Uh, we have time for one more, I believe. Yes, right. Stand up. Stand up. <laughs> <laughs> get out. I can't hear you. Ask your question and get out. <laughs> This is a, a, a certainly one regret, I think, for you know, of many that we didn't get to keep going. Was that world would have been able to expand even further? It's certainly, Lisa Gay Hamilton, uh, above all, we would have wanted to. And Emily, Rio, Emily Rios in that. Emily Rios, so Emily good. Emily Rios, yes, unbelievably good. Yeah. 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 yeah, she's been in every show that like is. And by the way, Sarah Clark in this episode 
was we were searching for who's going to play, and we didn't have, we, we started filming the episode. Yeah, started, I was thinking about that, when you're on the, you're doing she the... She came to the set when we decided, while I was filming the pants down behind the desk thing, and, and she was like sitting by the monitor. He's doing the same, he's like, you really want to... I said, you really want, you want part of this? Because you're on the other end of that phone call. <laughs> she was a great, great guy. Yeah, but you know, I, I, I'm, I appreciate you saying that because I think um, our, our, audience, our audience was more women than men. Yeah. 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 Strangely enough, it was men with a certain name, but the women, women kind of appreciated what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, do you guys think, and I'll end with this, um, you know, you got two seasons, which is great. We would love if there were more. Um, is there a place for this kind of show on television anymore? Ask television. <laughs> I'm curious to hear what you guys think. Well, I, I think um, if we added a one vampire, this is one. Thousands of years old. I don't know. Right? Totally out of the demo. Right. They could have, they could have, I, I don't know, if, if you live forever, there really is no midpipe for a vampire, right? How can you tell? I think that it's. There's a show that's called Transparent that's going to be very interesting to watch. I, that show has a certain look, certainly, but it's also very much about people. Uh, Parenthood, of course, is a fantastic show. Which is that, why I was attracted to it. That's, that was the only thing on TV that, that, that dealt with some of the same issues, and that's why I was a fan of it, and that's why I told Jason I'll work cheap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting over the next few years because I do think that there's television separating two different things. Events and everything else. And everything else is the bread and butter. That's what's on all the time. Everything gets like the same ratings now. Everything's just like, you get a one or a two or you're somewhere in between other than a couple of shows. And I, I, I laugh at the ratings headlines like, you know, oh my God, this show up 10%, up, up 18%, up, you know. And it's one always five. fighting over a tenth of percent. Like, you know, this show's a hit, 1.6. This show's a bomb, 1.3. No, they're all the same ratings. So I think that, you know, shows like Parenthood have survived because they have this consistent fan base that grows through the DVR and it becomes very valuable. Um, so I think there's hope. <laughs> well, and, and we certainly look forward to more from all of you. Can you guys talk about anything that you're working on, what's coming up? Individually, or well, I don't want a name drop. <laughs> but the reason I look like uh, homeless, man. my wife has kicked me out of the house, <laughs> is because I got very lucky. I'm casting uh, an HBO pilot, which we're going to rehearse this week in New York, uh, about the 70s music uh, era with uh, Martin Scorsese and, and Terrence Winter. Right, right, yeah. And, yeah. And one instruction was. About four weeks ago, they said, don't cut anything. Just let all your hair, face hair grow, your head hair grow. We don't know what you're going to look like, but it's going to be the 70s, and you're not going to like it. <laughs> I recently rewatched Raging Bull, so kind of the same story. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm on the, and I'm on the Goldbridge. Please watch it right now. Yeah. Uh, thank, you, thank you guys all for being here. Another round of Now leaving Nerdist.com.